All right. Man, I get fired up when I watch that. That's just the trailer for crying out loud. How many of you guys have seen the movie Miracle? Oh, nice. There's actually a few more than earlier. Uh, How many of you remember the Miracle on Ice? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, thank you. I'm feeling you. There's a couple of us. How many of you were alive in 1980? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, listen, the miracle on ice, it was, it's just one of the coolest things. We're going to tell you the whole story, and we're going to talk about how, maybe some things we can learn from it. But one of the cool things that happened in the 1980 Winter Olympics when the Americans uh, pulled this amazing hockey miracle is that the, uh, the announcer for the Olympic Games in hockey was Al Michaels. He still does Monday night football games, you guys uh, might hear his voice a lot. And uh, as he was, as it was getting down to the very end, and the last seconds ticked away against the, in the in the game against uh, with the Americans and the Russians, he uh, he yelled a question and answered it. And we heard it just a second ago. He said, "Do you believe in miracles?" And then he goes, "Yes." And it was one of the coolest calls in the history of broadcasting. And so I thought it would be appropriate for us to do that today. So what we're going to do is this side, when I count to three, we're going to yell, do you believe in miracles? And then this side is going to answer yes, okay? And we're going to see if you're better than the 10 o'clock service, okay? Are you ready? You guys with me? Do not leave me hanging because that would be bad. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. Do you believe in miracles? Wow, you guys are much better than Tickle. Let's flip it. You get to ask the question, you get to answer. Are you ready? One, two, three. Yes! Oh, man, I got chills. That is so cool. I tell you, the miracle on ice was one of my favorite, favorite things that I ever watched happen uh, on, on sports TV. 1980, February of 1980 in Lake Placid, New York. You know, the interesting thing is, that the decade of the 70s was a really tough decade for the United States of America. On many, in many different areas of, of our national life, we took a lot of hits and things just weren't going all that great. President Carter at the time, in the, in the, in the late 70s, he called, it what, he, he called it a crisis of confidence that existed among the American people. The, the, the decade of the 70s was tough. And I think one of the, and, and you can just go down through the history of the litany of things, the fall of Saigon, the end of the Vietnam War, Watergate, um, the hair, the bell bottoms, it was just bad, you know what I'm saying? But one of the things was, is that patriotism was almost non-existent for the most part in the, in the, uh, in the population at large, because um, there was just not a whole lot to be proud of. Not a lot of flag waving go- went on. In fact, I cannot remember. See, I was, in 1980, I was a sophomore in high school. I'll give you a minute to do the math. Yes, I'm, thir- I'm 50, okay? You know, I wish I was 30, but I'm 50 years old. So, sophomore in high school in nowhere, Mississippi, in 1980. And I had never seen flag waving ever in my life, other than on a, at a holiday when there might be a, f- a few extra American flags around. There was not enthusiasm and, and, and patriotism on display. 
And also, one of the things about me, I was a huge sports fan, always have been. And something weird happened to me in the mid-70s. I started getting into the Olympics. I started kind of following and really enjoying the Olympic Games. So, uh, 1976, I watched the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics. I was just all into it. It was awesome. And, uh, but you know what's interesting in the Olympic Games? And it was so funny. I was growing up in the Deep South, right? So, you know, I'd ask my friends, I'd say... Hey, do you you gonna watch the Olympics? Do you hear about the Olympics? And they go, Is is there college football in the Olympics? Because if not, I don't care. And so I was a little odd in that way. But I nobody else was into it, but I was really grooving on it. The interesting thing about the Olympics is that for the most part at the time the American athletes didn't do all that well. Some of the summer Olympic games uh, some contests, you know, the individual, some of the track and field. We, we did okay. But when it came to the Winter Olympics, oh my gosh, it was awful. I mean, it, you, you'd watch these teams, these skiing and the skating and the, all the stuff, and, and hardly ever did any Americans win. We had some good skaters, but no good skiers at the time. It was, it was kind of depressing. So I'm sitting here watching the Olympics. I'm getting into it. But I'm never able to cheer for our guys. And also during... Uh, the, the decade of the 60s and the 70s, the Soviet Union, the Russian national hockey team, was the best in the world. They never lost. They won all year round. They, every season they won their international competitions, and every Olympics they won the gold medal, all the way from 64 through 76. And nobody expected anything different to happen in 1980. Do you guys remember 1992, the American Olympic basketball team? We called it the Dream Team. You guys remember the Dream Team? You had... You had Magic, you had Bird, you had Michael Jordan, Carmel. I mean, they were awesome, and they dominated. Well, before 1992, we never had dream teams. All we ever did for Olympic teams was collect amateur athletes, which mostly meant college athletes, put them together for a few months, and then skate them out there or roll them out there against the the best from other countries. And in the, the communist bloc countries, man, their, their team sports were, they were dominating, especially the winter sports, especially hockey. The Russians never lost. And so every year, every Olympics, we got to the, the college kids together, trained for a few months, and there was nothing different about how this went in 1979 leading up to the 80 games. But what was different is that the coach, Herb Brooks, had a plan, and we're going to talk about that as we go. And he just actually believed that maybe we could skate with, compete against, and who knows, maybe even beat the Russians. But here's the thing. The population as a whole, none of us ever, we hadn't even imagined that that could happen. We had not even imagined it. And when I think about that and that concept, and I remember as a sports fan going, huh, here we go again, never imagining something amazing could happen or take place. It reminds me of one of my favorite verses in the Bible, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 20. We're going to look at that now. It says, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter in, this, in, in these verses, and he says, Now all glory to God, who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. What this cute little sports story reminds me of is that sometimes things happen that are infinitely more than you could ever have thought would ever take place. And in my faith life, I realized that there is a promise in Scripture we just read where God said, I 
am able to accomplish in you more than you could imagine. God is saying, do you believe in miracles? Because I can, I can make some miracles happen. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. All right. Now, what we're going to do is I want to show you a clip from the movie that's sort of the, sort of where we're going to go first when we think about how, hey, you know, most of us would say, hey, give me, I'll take some of that miracle. I could use a miracle in my life. Sign me up for that. Well, there are a few things that I think set our hearts and position us to experience those kind of uh, God miracles that we just read or promised to us from the book of Ephesians. But before we... Before we do that, I want to show you a clip from the movie. Now, I told, I, I told you about leading up to the Olympic Games just a moment ago. Well, um, Coach, Coach Herb Brooks thought that it would be a good idea right before the Olympics started, like three or four days before the Olympics started in 1980, that we would have our American guys skate against the Russians in an exhibition game. Just a practice game. Doesn't count. Just want to see how we're matching up with them. You know what that ended up being? A bad idea. Because the Russians crushed us. We lost miserably in that exhibition game. Madison Square Garden, New York. It was embarrassing. And the Russians, even a few months before that exhibition, had played the NHL All-Stars. The National Hockey League, the best professional skaters from America and Canada. Had play, an all-star team had played the Russians and the Russians beat them like they stole something. I mean, it was, the Russians were powerful. And so in this exhibition game, we lost 10 to 3. Do you know what it's like to, to, to score 10 goals? Do you know what it takes to score 10 goals in a hockey game? That's like scoring 3 in soccer. <laughs> USA, by the way, tonight. USA, girls go get them. But anyway... Seriously, 10, 10, that's like embarrassing loss. And right after the game, the coach approaches the goalie. Jim Craig is his name. Jim Craig was our goalie that year. And he approaches him and says, I know you've been our goalie, but I'm thinking about sitting you down. Watch this clip. Thinking about sitting you down, Jim. What? Hey, what are you talking nah, about? Nah, it's not your fault. I played you way too much and you're too tired. Well, besides that, I think it's time I give Janny a look. He's been waiting for seven months. You're kidding me. Now? Yeah, of course I mean now. That's my net, man. You can't do that. They just scored ten goals, Jim. Right now, it's everybody's net. Oh, wait a second. I've given you everything I've got. Now you're pulling the plug on me? Have you? Given me your very best? Because I know there's a lot more in you. A whole other level that for some reason you just don't want to go to. Well, what the hell? You don't understand what I'm talking about. All right, this clip, I was watching this movie when it came on cable TV a few months ago, and, and I saw this in interchange between the coach and the, and the goalie, and there was one line that just jumped out at me. It's when he says, look, there's a whole nother level of hockey that for some reason you just don't want to go to. And it was, I'm sitting there watching this on TV, and I had a weird moment with God. I felt like, I know this sounds strange, but I felt like God was trying to speak to me, trying to get a message to me through that line where he was saying, Richard, there's, there are whole other levels of life and effectiveness and growth and development in you as a person. There are whole other levels that for some reason, Richard, you're just not willing to go to. 
And of course my response to God was, Lord, please, you're ruining this movie for me. Please stop saying these things. But it, I couldn't shake it. And I start, so that's actually why we're talking about this movie here today because I just wonder, I wonder if for all of us that might be something, that, a message, so to speak, that the Lord would want to get across where he would want to say to us as individuals or maybe as families or couples where he would say, you know, there are a whole nother levels uh, that, that are available to you. So my question for you is, what would those levels, what would those things be for you? So I'm asking you to just kind of internalize this and think it through and go uh, to yourself, say, what are, the thing, what, are the, what are the things in the areas of my life where there might be new growth and development, but I'm, I've been unwilling to go to those levels? What would those levels be? Maybe for some of us it's... it's uh, it's like on, on the job, maybe in our occupation where we've been kind of mailing it in a little bit or not really investing or not really leading the way that we could or we should. For some of us, it might be just an old habit, old habit that's really not healthy that just is kind of undermining our growth and development as a person. Maybe for some of us, it's a straight-up addiction. Maybe it's something that's just, that just owns us. You know, some activity... Or, uh, or, or crutch or, or some way we kind of internally self-medicate ourselves to the point where we're just not really growing the way we should. And it owns us. And, and look, if that's you, I feel you. I've been there. I've been there. There are, there are things, maybe it's in our relationships. Maybe it's in the way that we parent. Maybe it's in the way that we treat our spouse or significant other, or the way we relate. Maybe there are whole new levels of forgiveness that that God would have us that he would want to lead us to in forgiving people who have done things to us or or even forgiving ourselves for for decisions and and actions whatever what my my point is and my goal my hope is that today through, through talking about this we could get to a point where we would say you know what Lord I don't know exactly how it might look. I don't even know exactly how to do it. But could you, Lord, give me some concrete steps? Could you guide me into a process where I could be at new levels? I, want, I don't want to be the same as I am right now. Let me ask you something, gentlemen. Five years from now, do you want, I mean, do you really want to be annoying your wife in the exact same way as you are now? Wouldn't you rather annoy her in new and creative ways? No, wait, that's not what I meant. Yeah, boy, no little response from the uh, right-hand side. No, but seriously, wouldn't we want to be able to say, hey, look, I've grown, I've, I've changed, I'm not the way I was back then. I want to see some growth. Well, we're going to, th- that stuff just doesn't happen. We have to position ourselves and we, I think it, we have to come to decision points where we say, yes, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing to let that happen. I think God would say there is more for us. There is more for us. There's a verse in Ephesians chapter uh, chapter 2 verse 10 that says we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared prepared in advance for us to do. Saying that God has a plan for us. He is shaping us. We are like a piece of artwork 
that God is working on. Has anybody ever told you, hey, hey, you're a piece of work? Anybody? That happens to me all the time. And now I go, thank you. Because I am. I'm a piece of God's handiwork. I, he is working on me. And the reason he's working on me, certainly to bless me and help me and so I'll be more healthy as a person, but also so that I can help other people. So that I can be a blessing to other people. And the ultimate goal, as always, would be so that he gets the attention through my life. And people go, dude, God must be awesome because of what's going on in your life. So that's the whole goal. There is more for us. But our decision points are, Lord, or, or, or will we be able to say, Lord, I'm ready. Take me to the next levels. Take me to, to new levels. And by the way, the, the scene, he was talking to one of the top two or three goalies uh, in, in all of American college hockey. So he wasn't talking to an idiot. He was talking to one of the best, maybe the best in our country. But he was saying, is it enough? Are you good now? Are you cool just to made this team and just be an Olympian? Or do you want more? Because, and that's, that's my, my point today, is that there, I think, is more for us. So what would it look like if we allowed God to take us to that whole nother level? In whatever area that you think it might be time for. What would it look like? I want to show you another clip, and we're going to talk about just a couple of ideas and concepts that might help us position ourselves for God to move us forward. Uh, this clip we're going to watch right now is like a, it's a film session where the coach is talking to the team about, you know, how big and bad and amazing the Russians are, but he's going to kind of uh, give them a, he's going to give them a plan of how, you, you know, somebody one day is going to be able to beat this team. So uh, let's watch this. 42 games in the last three months, 42 wins. Their main weapon is intimidation. They know they're going to win. And so do their opponents. Look, I can give you all a load of crap about how you're a better team than they are, but that's exactly what it would be. And everyone in this room knows what people are saying about our chances. I know it. You know it. But I also know there is a way to stay with this team. You don't defend them. You attack them. You take their game and you shove it right back in their face. The team. <laughs> I love that. Isn't that awesome? You shove it right back in their face. I'm like, Ugh! And if I, had, if I could skate, you know, I would just find a patch of ice right now. Um, he goes on to say in that scene, he says that the team that is finally willing to change the way they, they play the game is going to be the team that has a chance to take, that, to take them down. So how would it look if we allow God to take us to, to newer levels, deeper, farther levels? and position ourselves for, for some miracles, how, how would that look? Well, the first thing that I think is critical is that we, we break away. Break away from what? Break away from the old playbook. Just straight up deciding that we're done doing things the way we've always done things. That there's a new approach. That there's a new way to, to go for the game, to, to approach the game and to go for a goal that's, far, that's greater than just maybe I can make the team. Maybe I can 
just function. There is a way to do it, but we have to, we have to change our playbook. We've got to be willing to switch it up. And some people would say, why? Why change my playbook? Why not just write it out the way I'm doing things? Well, if, you know, it's like the old phrase, if we continue doing what we've always done, what are we going to get? What we've always had. And the whole point is, is that there may be more for us. I believe there is. I'm just asking you to consider, is there more for me in my relationships, in my personal development, in my career, in my parenting? Is there more? And if there is, something's going to have to change. Some people would say, I don't know if, uh, if I can change my playbook about how I do life because I don't even think it's possible. Uh, you know, is it even possible to make those kind of changes? Can that be done? I mean, you know, can an old dog be taught new tricks? Um, the verse I want to read to you in the, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses five, 4 and 5, kind of addresses this issue. The Apostle Paul is talking about how before we entered into the life of faith, before that happens, we're separate from God. But check out verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. Say that phrase, rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Gosh, I I just, mm, I love that phrase, but we must move on. He's rich in mercy. Has made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, big word for sin, it is by grace you have been saved. As we know here at my church, we like to say grace seems too good to be true. But it is true, and it has saved us. See, here's the thing. Paul the Apostle is saying in this letter that he wrote to these first century Christians that is now in our scriptures, he is saying that at one time you were dead in your transgressions, in your sin, and now you've been made alive with God. Do you know that a lot of us have a wrong concept about sin? I know I did for years. I mean years. I used to think sin... You know, do choices, attitudes, that um, and and actions that go against God's prescribed way of uh, of doing life. Sin. I used to think sin made me a bad person. Did you know that sin does not make us bad people? Sin makes us dead people. Sin kills us spiritually. Our spirits. When, when we are living a life of sin, we are just doing our thing. We're just functioning. But our spirits are dead inside. And the only way that a person's spirit can be brought to life is, is through Christ entering in by His Holy Spirit and bringing me life. So I was dead. I was not just a bad guy. I was a dead guy spiritually. We are dead people. I just had an idea for another movie we could use. Back on track, Richard. Don't get distracted. Thank you. Put a pin in that. But so dead in our transgression. Listen, if God, through his great love and just so rich in mercy towards us, if he can bring dead things in me back to life, anything is possible. I can change my playbook. If he can change that, that's the core of me. I mean, if he can address that, anything, anything can, be tr- can be changed. 
Here's the problem, though, as far as switching up the playbook and breaking away. It is much easier to stick with what's comfortable, to do what we've always done, to find a groove and coast. And here's, here's what we often do in our faith life. Now, in the room today, we may have people that all points along the faith spectrum. Some of us might be uh, kind of just, you know, we do the God thing every once in a while. Some of us are like super invested in it, and it's like what we do all the time, and we're constantly thinking about it. Some of us might be uh, just not even sure if we want to get into it or not. We're just checking things out, and that's cool, and I'm really glad you're here because that's why we exist as a church, so folks can have a place to come and check things out. But wherever we fall on the spectrum, the easiest thing in the world for us to do when it comes to faith is to say and think and act as if, let's just see what happens. You know what I'm saying? We're just going to kind of do what we do and see how it plays out. And honestly, that's why I wanted to show you that clip. Because as Herb Brooks is trying to preach to these 20-year-olds that it is possible to maybe compete on some level with this team, the Russians, he says if we're going to do it, we cannot defend. We can't lay back. We have to attack. We have to decide. We have to set the pace. We have to determine this is our game plan. This is how we're going to do it. And most of us, in many areas of our lives understand it's important to have a plan. It's important to have a strategy. But when it comes to the faith thing, we're kind of like, eh, we'll see. You know, maybe I found a church where the music is cool and they don't make me feel stupid that I don't know Bible stuff. And so I'm comfortable showing up on Sundays for a while. And that's fine. Maybe you do church every once in a while. Maybe you think about God during the week occasionally. Whatever the case may be, I believe that if we want to see the miracles happen, we have to decide what do we really, are, are we willing to take it to that level? And to stop laying back and defending against the weirdness of life and let's start attacking it. Let's say, hey, dude, this is me. I am that guy. I am that guy who tries to bring the God thing into every part of my life. I am that guy. I am that woman. This is the way I want to move forward because what I've been doing all this time has gotten me to here and probably won't get me anywhere else. Whole nother levels. Change up the playbook. It's It's going to be critical. Next clip I want to show you. This is, is a clip right before the Americans are going to take the ice against the Russians. When the Olympic hockey tournament started in, in 1980, nobody thought the Americans had a chance. They were hoping maybe they could make it to the medal round and get a bronze, right? But they thought, oh, there are so many teams that are better than them. But what happened is they tied the Sweden team. And then they beat Czechoslovakia, which was the second best team in the world. Then they beat West Germany. And then they just kept going, and they kept winning, and nobody was beating them, and they were beating people big time by, by several, several goals. The world started taking notice. Americans started taking notice. Kids in Mississippi started going, there's hope. I didn't know what hockey, I, I, I mean, I couldn't understand anything that was going on. They're just sw- circling around on the ice. 
boom, we scored, we're winning. You know, that's all I understood, but I was watching, I was going, this is different than I've ever seen before. And people started saying, the miracle might happen. The miracle might happen. Can they skate with the Russians? Uh, Probably not. They beat us 10 to 3 two weeks ago. Well, right before the game between the Americans and the Russians, the coach takes, takes center stage in the locker room and he shares this speech. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Yes. Man, that's good stuff. I love that speech. There's this one line in the speech that grabs me. I love all of it. I mean, but when he looks at him, he says, you were born to be hockey players, every one of you. And you, be- and you uh, were meant to be here. You were meant to be here. That's what I want to think the Lord would have to say to us is that we were meant to be here. We were born for this. When you think about next level stuff, you think about change, you think about growth and development, it might be intimidating to you. It might be, I'm not sure I can do that. Your response might be, you know, I'm not, um, I, you know, I've tried that and it didn't work. Or that won't work for me. Or that's just not the kind of family I was raised in. That's not, I, I, yeah, it would be nice to be that that guy, but I don't think I can be that guy, or I don't think I can be that woman. I think the Lord is saying, you were born to be that guy and that woman. You were meant to be here. And here's why I know that's true. We go back to the book of Ephesians. And Paul, again, contrasting what it was like before Christ brings his will to bear on our lives, and, and now that we are trying to walk in faith, he says in, Philipp- in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, he said, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you didn't know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. I want to explain what Paul is talking about here. At the time that he was writing this letter, there was a big question that was raised in in most people's minds about the Christianity faith thing. And it was actually a racial thing, believe it or not. It was a racial thing. It was whether you were a Jew, where you were Jewish, or whether you were not Jewish. And people who were Jewish thought, since Christianity started within the Jewish community, 
then that means I'm kind of, uh, maybe since I'm Jewish, I'm kind of closer in. I probably, I probably got a better shot. You know, I fit more with those people. So I, I could be that. I could do that because I'm kind of close into that, that deal racially. And those who were not Jewish would say, well, I'm far away. I, I, I have no shot. There's no way I can make that. And Paul is saying, whether you think you're in, based on your family or your background or your race, or whether you think you're way far away, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And it is not just a racial thing anymore. That was the biggest barrier in people's minds. Now, if you go back to that and see that as their big barrier, and you come all these thousands of years now to us, listen, if, if God can erase that and break through that racial barrier, he can break through any barrier. I don't care what you or I think about our lives and our past and our history. There is no barrier that makes us so far away that we can't be brought near to God through the sacrifice of Jesus. And there's nothing that we could ever do or have in our, in our history that might make us a little more on the inside. None of it matters. The only thing that matters is Christ's sacrifice. And that's why with so much confidence I can sit here and say, look, we, we're born for this, man. This is who we are. God, God has, he sees it. He's got a vision for it. We can be that person who can be guided through our life and through the issues and stages, the ups and the downs, the good and the bad of our life by the hand of God. And, our, and, and the God thing can matter to us. Because of what Christ has done. I don't know where you're at in your life right now. Maybe you're up. Maybe things are okay. Maybe things are super chaotic. Maybe this is a good time for you. Maybe this is the worst time for you. It doesn't matter where we are. What matters is is that God still has a plan for us. And his plan for us is to bring the miraculous into these different areas of our lives. He can bring the miraculous. He can take us to next levels. He can flip the playbook. All we have to do is make ourselves willing to go through that process with Him. Anything can happen. Anything is possible. There is nothing, there is nothing about my life or your life that disqualifies us from experiencing the miraculous mind-blowing, way more than we could have ever asked or imagined from happening in our life. None of it, nothing, nothing can separate us that much. You were born for this. This is what, and you're supposed to be here. You're meant to be here. And not necessarily even just in this room today. But you were meant to be here at this stage of your life where your life is and how it is shaped, even, if, even the stuff that you don't like and, and, the, and the things that are driving you crazy and that you wish you could change and the things that you really believe that will never change. You were meant to be right here at this time in your life so that God could invade it and bring the miraculous. And all we have to do is ask, say, Lord, show me how you want to take me to the next level. Believe. It can happen. I am evidence of that. I'm a miracle. And if I could hear your story, I'd know you're a miracle too. God is doing it. 
And he wants to keep doing it. He wants to take us to places that we've never been. I'm asking you, please, don't think for a minute that there is anything about you that, that means, that makes it to where you weren't born to walk in strong, powerful, healthy faith in God through Jesus Christ. Don't think for a minute that there's anything that disqualifies you from that. It's not true. God has next levels for you and for me. Question is, do you believe in miracles? And I say yes. Now, before we close this service, there is no way I'm going to go through all of this and not show you the good part of the movie, all right? We are going to watch the last 34 seconds of the U.S.-Russia 1980 Olympic hockey game. Go for it. 36 seconds. Makarov over the blue line to Malta. Another save. Fighting for position. Trying to get it away from Harlem along the boards. about that huh isn't that great yes usa usa listen i'm going to invite the band to come up and we're going to close here in just a minute i tell you i just love that movie love the story loved it all those years ago still love it today i want to tell you about the most unexpected outcome the biggest upset that there ever was and the greatest miracle of all. And that is that you and I are no longer disqualified from God working in our lives and bringing change and health and bringing His vision and His destiny for our lives to bear right in this little old me and the little old you. That's the greatest miracle of all. And I want to share with you, and I want to encourage you, if you can, sometimes read through chapter 2 and 3 of Ephesians. Because Paul the Apostle gets so excited about all of this that he, can't just, he just can't help but write about it. And he's writing about the fact that we were dead and now we're alive. That we were separate. And now, far, far away, and now we've been brought in real close, so much so that we're no longer foreigners. We're no longer alien to what, what God wants to do. And we can actually be a part of Him building something huge, what He calls a sanctuary for the Holy Spirit. God can build in our lives a place where His very presence can live.
And the Apostle Paul gets so excited that at the beginning of chapter 3 he says, So, I'm so excited, I'm going to stop writing, I'm going to start praying. And he's going to describe what he prays. But then he gets distracted by how cool it is. And he says, haven't you heard that God's letting me tell all the non-Jewish people that they don't have to worry about separation anymore? And Jesus himself has become the barrier breaker. And then he says that it's a mystery and it's hard to understand sometimes. But it's being shouted to the world now that no one is disqualified. And then he says, because he's so excited, he says, here's what I pray for you. I pray that God himself will strengthen you and put his own strength and power inside of you so that you can start to understand how much he loves you, how deep and wide and high and how strong God's love is for you. And he's just shouting all this good news to him through his pen. And then it's after he says all of that that he says something that we read earlier. And it'll be on the screen again. All glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever ask or think. Infinitely more. So God is screaming loudly. Miracles can happen. New levels can be reached and playbooks can be turned upside down doesn't matter what voice you might be hearing in your head right now that's saying, nah, not for you. Eh, it's too late for you. You're not that guy. You're not that woman. That's not the voice of God. The voice of God today, if you'll pardon the expression, is, is speaking into your heart and he's saying, do you believe in miracles? Do you? Yes. And when those miracles start happening for you, you're probably not going to have us uh, an, uh, an arena full of fans cheering for you. You may not have people waving flags. You may not have teammates jumping up and down on you. But I will tell you this. There'll be a moment where you realize, wow, God just took me to another level. I just responded differently to that jerk at work who's been driving me crazy. Do you believe in miracles? And then you'll say, wait a second, man, that, I said no to that medication that I always go to when I'm having a bad day. Maybe it's breaking. Maybe the addiction is breaking. Do you believe in miracles? Whoa, I just parent, I just did something with my kid that is totally opposite of what my dad did to him, with him, and what his dad did with him. Do you believe in miracles? And one day you're going to say, here I am, X number of years later, and my relationships are healthier, and I'm forgiving easier and quicker. And then ain't nobody going to be able to contain you. You're going to say, do you believe in miracles? It can happen for us. Today's our day. Stand with me while we pray. Father, I'm asking you today to, to bring your, your spirit with all its power into our lives so that we can do the courageous thing, that we can 
allow you to take us to new levels switch up our playbook a little bit God I pray that each of us would know that we are truly born for this this is who we are this is who you see us to be and this is how our lives can move forward from this point and God today for that person who maybe today is deciding I want to start I want to make I want to ask Jesus to become the leader and forgiver of my life God I ask you meet us here in these seats meet with us come to us do the miracles that we need in Jesus name amen amen I'm going to invite our host teams to come forward we like to close our gathering by receiving an offering and so in a few minutes the buckets are going to pass through the aisles and some of us uh, feel comfortable contributing and donating if you do then do that as a worship to the Lord it's not something you do out of feeling pressure or anything like that just worship the Lord with it tell him you trust him with your stuff you know and your possessions if you're a first time guest here and we, we hope you'll just be our guest don't feel under any pressure here and whatever the case may be is we ask in this next few minutes the band's going to sing this really cool song called Lord I Need You and let's just worship and enjoy the Lord's presence because we really do need Him whether you're worshiping by by giving or with the, through the song or prayer or all of the above enjoy God's uh, God's presence with us here and let's uh, let's trust Him to do great things do miracles in our lives thanks <laughs>